This is everyone's personal favorite show, Keep Breath Free. Welcome. Who doesn't like to play video games? I have played a lot when I was a kid. But gaming is always just a lesser activity for my generation. It's never been considered as a good hobby to have, let alone as a professional. But it's no longer the case because of the emerging of esports, short for electronic sports, which is a form of competition using video games. Song Jong is a former investment banker who has worked as an equity analyst at major banks and brokerage firms such as Barclays and CLSA, and as the head of advisory at Kinetic Capital, and also a former IT manager at the National Australia Bank, a computer programmer who always had a passion for anything technology, gaming, or sports related. He co-founded Talent Esports in 2017 with the aim of turning it into one of the world's leading esports franchises. It boasts multiple business, esports team management, gaming marketing, merchandising, and esports events. Its PSG Talent Team, a partnership with the French esports outfits, has twice won the League of Legends Pacific Championship Series, including in 2021. He's not only creating a gaming business, but also a new type of sports, as well as a profession for you to pursue as a career. Without further ado, let's tune in to our conversation with the CEO and co-founder of Talent Esports, Sean John. Hey, thank you so much for being on my show, Sean. No worries at all. Awesome to be here, mate. Uh, I'm just so excited to talk to you about uh, eSports because uh, I have so many questions because uh, I really want to know more and uh, I hope that I had enough time to ask all of them. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, how did you get to where you are today? What did you do uh, before Thailand eSports? Yeah, sure. So, I guess my background is pretty mixed. I uh, did a little bit of everything before we started this whole esports venture. Um, you know, I, I did all my university and secondary schooling in Australia. And, you know, I graduated uh, sort of with a degree in both uh, commerce and computer science. And, you know, I joined a bank called the National Australia Bank out of Australia, working sort of more in mid to back office functions. So those being in you know, finance and control, uh, technology, um, you know, front end coding, a lot of that type of work. Um, I did that for about five years, moved to Hong Kong, um, basically did business school at UST. Um, oh. And then after that, basically, you know, everyone says go into banking, go into uh, strategy consulting. So I was very fortunate that I got a job at Barclays and I worked at Barclays and CLSA covering, doing equity research, covering both Asian banks as well as equity quant. Um, I've always been a big gamer. Um, you know, yeah. through my banking days, we were trying to explore this esports world and we set something up on the side and was just doing it as a, a side hustle while we we're working in banking with me, my co-founder, Gerald. Um, and, you know, we've always been big gamers. We're always mm -hmm. also a big lover of traditional sport. And we're very mm -hmm. fortunate that esports allows us to merge both those two worlds together, right? Because we put together both gaming and we put mm -hmm. together sports. And so totally that's how it all started. And then in 2000 and of 19 1819 one of my friends who works for a family office um marco basically said hey you guys seem to have a knack for this you should go and raise some money and and start this and that's how we all started oh. so we were able to get some external funding and then since then we've kind of exploded our growth in regards to you know both performance social media and 
you know, both on the revenue side as well. So we've been very fortunate that, you know, we had a lot of good friends to help us along the way. But the good thing is that we've all been gamers our whole life and we all love traditional sport or have played sport at a relatively high level and we're able to kind of merge those two mindsets together and mm. they kind of work perfectly for 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 talent and, and our esports journey so it's been kind of fun in that way yeah got it uh you just set the perfect scene for the question that i'm gonna ask you about uh everything about talent in esports um mm-hmm. what exactly the business opportunities did you see for talent esports uh the reason why i'm asking that is uh, i think it is not just for me but for my audiences as well, the business models, uh, the um, uh, how to make money, uh, these kind of things. Especially, uh, of course, we like to play games, but we don't. It is like a myth for us to understand the esports world. So, can you uh, talk about what exactly the business opportunities did you see for Thai esports? Yeah. So the way we kind of see, look at esports is basically mm. similar to traditional sports right and if you look at traditional sports some of the world's biggest franchises you look at the lakers you look at psg you look at man united you look at man cities these are all multi-billion dollar companies right because mm. of the fact that they have this global fan base have this global audience right but they only play usually one specific sport football basketball baseball that type mm. of thing right but what's really interesting about esports is that it's like traditional sports, right? Um, but this is at the super early stage, right? And the mm. good thing about esports is that we can bridge across multiple communities. So we can run League of Legends, we can run um, Dota 2, mm. we can run Street Fighter, Overwatch, Rainbow Six Siege, many different games. Um, mm. And therefore, you can open yourself up to this huge audience. And if you also do the research, what you'll notice is that gaming is now the biggest entertainment sector in the mm. world ahead of movies ahead of music ahead of you know television and esports mm. being a subsector of that is also really important so we've seen this gaming trend go up and that gaming trend has been driven by you know better technologies better internet um a lot of good things that are driving towards gaming and basically those macro trends plus mm. the esports trends bigger tournaments more organized leagues we mm. thought there was a huge opportunity um, the other thing is that in APAC, what we notice is that mm. many teams are very much focused in one market. And while that's okay, like if you look at a market like Hong Kong, we can't just run an esports team in Hong Kong. It's only 8 million people. How many fans can you possibly get? Mm. So we decided to build a strategy which was much more focused around building a regional presence, right? Having teams in Japan, in Korea, in Taiwan, in Hong Kong, in Thailand, in Southeast mm. Asia, trying to build that out. And so that's kind of the end objective. But there is a huge opportunity here. It's only the tip of the iceberg. I honestly feel like esports will be bigger than traditional sports in the next five to 10 years, if not already surpassed many traditional sports. And that's where the opportunity is going to lie because right now the franchise fees of the teams versus some of the biggest global sporting franchises is a huge gap. And the key thing for us is everything we do is digital in nature, right? We don't need to have a huge stadium. We can build everything remotely and we can be CapEx light and we can build that out. So in that sense, I think there's huge upside. I think there's a huge opportunity because there are um we are you know if we build out the strategy across apac we can be one of the unique teams that has this regional coverage and also i think you know we can probably eventually hopefully match some of the largest sporting brands in the world right and i think that's something that we're really looking forward to do. and that's where the gap is i truly feel like sponsorships and winnings mm. and rights and all those things will come through uh mm. it's just that right now it's still very early stage and a lot of it hasn't has sort of been established yet. 
that is totally understood. So basically, I can think of a esports like uh, the traditional sports scene, but uh, the only difference is the uh, we we can combine multiple uh, avenue uh, together uh, to make yeah. it. Yeah, that's the only difference. Yeah, I would say, and then the key thing is, is we our fans are much more digital in nature, and our fans are are used to being on the digital side of things, right? So we don't need mm -hmm. to have a stadium, we don't need to have ticket sales, we don't need to have like a place for people mm -hmm. to congregate to watch. We could build fans globally, right? Because a lot of our games are broadcast online, and it's very different in that sense. So for us, it's I think that there is a lot of similarities with traditional sport, and that's why also you see brands like PSG partnering up because. There's basically a lot of synergies and parallels, uh, but at the same time, you know, our audience is very digital in nature, and that also opens up sort of different mechanisms and ways we can monetize the fans. But overall, very similar, just much more digitally focused on our side. Yeah. Uh, is it difficult to start a business like talent esports? Is the uh, starting capital very large? Are there any license or special criteria you have to meet? Those kind of things. Yeah. I would say to there's no licenses or requirements. I think you know anybody can start their own esports team. The question is, can you take it to the next level where you can really drive revenues through the business when it comes to sponsorship costs, when it comes to merchandise, when it comes to working with publishers and, and delivering a real experience for the fans, right? A lot of work goes into social media, marketing, branding, operations, finance, performance management, right? So all these things need to be done well. So I think generally anybody can start a team. That's not, and that's the beautiful thing about mm. esports. I think to take it to the next level where, you know, you have proper infrastructure in place in order to grow the brand to a global audience, that requires a little bit more capital. At the same time, mm. I think, you know, right now there's a lot of interest in esports. And so if you are able to operationally execute that, there are opportunities out there where investors are quite keen. But generally I would say, there's no restrictions. The only thing is um, if you want to, there are, what's happening now is a lot of teams are becoming a lot more mature. And for you to be able to catch up, then that capital increment to be able to do that becomes higher and higher. Like I was just talking about this with my co-founder Jazz. I think we started this now mm. versus three years ago, the cost would even be greater simply because, you know, there's just more competition. The market is maturing. Sponsorship deals are getting bigger. Salaries are getting bigger for both players and, and everything and so that's just the space evolving and catching up with traditional sports so i would mm -hmm. say capital cost is, is is not low um if you really want to blow it out very quickly um but if you want to create a team to participate in a local tournament um or even regional tournaments and do well that's also doable um with, with commitment and a desire uh, we see a lot of teams come up through that as well it's just whether or not you can build that sustainable business model to, to be able to drive because i think you can almost say this is like a huge growth sector right now. So you, most of the esports teams are loss making, I would say. So you need to have that initial capital to get to that sort of momentum and, and size. And once you have that, then I think things are a lot easier, but it's a lot of hard work to go from here to sort of a medium sized organization. Mm. And so that's kind of where I think most of the people are, you know, if they start their team here, it's fine. And then once you start building up, you find that you hit a lot of hurdles. We've been very lucky that you know we have had investors that have trusted us and also we've been um a lot of good partners and advisors who have helped us grow currently uh can we look at the operating units of talent for from the mm -hmm. uh looking through the lens of the uh business models uh because i, mm -hmm. I believe that it can also be good to the audiences know about uh maybe they are not familiar with the traditional esports they may 
this just want to know more about how you operate. Uh, like, uh, I noticed that you have high quality, uh, other than the competitive gaming, you have high quality documentary, great video content production, creative mm -hmm. studios, e-commerce for fans like t-shirts, has hoodies, etc. Uh, yep. These kind of things. Can you talk about this? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. So at Talon, we, we like to call ourselves more as a platform because we have sort of four key business pillars. Um, yep. The first one is, of course, the esports team management. So what that is, is, you know, develop, build esports teams across various games, across various markets, right? So we own uh, six professional teams in, I think, four or five different markets, you know, Tekken 7, Street Fighter, Overwatch, Rainbow Six Siege, Arena of Valor, League of Legends, um and uh and uh yeah um basically mm. those games across multiple markets and so that's mm. one side of our business and so yes. that if you sense is is very similar to a traditional football club you have tv rights deals you have sponsorships you mm. have media rights and basically your you, the revenue that you generate are very much tied to the teams you have winnings and things like that now that can be very choppy as a business because your revenues can be very inconsistent. Some years you win, some years you don't win, some years you have good years of sponsorship, some years you don't. And so for us to be able to build a business that incrementally grows, we had to build out other business verticals. And so another business vertical that we've built is the merchandise side. So that's basically the development of talent and PSG talent um, mm -hmm. merchandise that we sell to our fans. That's a new revenue stream. Um, obviously, our fans, they want to represent us, and that's totally fine. We want to give them the best experiences when it comes to merchandise that they can collect. Um, we also have a creative studio. This creative studio essentially acts as a marketing agency dedicated towards esports and gaming. So, you know, traditionally, many agencies that are run out, um, you know, I've focused on sport, I've focused on, you know, fashion, I've focused on, you know, like, let's say, automotive or things like that. Our agency is purely focused on gaming and esports. And what we do is we help brands activate within gaming or esports. The studio also services our team. So they basically okay. do content on behalf of all of our teams. But we also do work on behalf of brands as well. So if, you know, Lenovo or McDonald's or any mm. other brand, like, hey, I want to do something in Hong Kong, mm. we can help them activate that. And then lastly, we have an events business where mm. we, we own the IP for uh, two of Riot's main games in Hong Kong and Taiwan, those being oh. Wild Rift and Valorant. And so we run the esports scene, the collegiate scenes, and the semi-professional scenes, amateur scenes, all those respective games. And so we basically are a tournament operator as well. So those mm. are kind of like the four key businesses that we run: you know, team mm. management, merchandise, creative studio, as well as um, the mm. events business. Are kind of the four key areas that we focus on. Got it. Beautiful. Uh, I want to move on to the meets. That's the part that I really want to know about. You just mentioned the team management and then uh, the, just the professional uh, e-sport gamer. Uh, if a person wants to join uh, one of your teams, what are the requirements for this person to join? Is there an enrollment fee or special requirements for these people? Uh, for players or and staff, I think generally for players, it's mm. it's... We have a performance division team, which is managed by um, our head of performance. And then basically they are always looking for new young talent that we can work with mm. in order to sort of build our, our organization. And so, you know, those are tied to games such as you know, League of Legends, Rainbow Six Siege, Overwatch, Arena of Valor. And so we're always looking for opportunities to hire those. There is no fee. Um, it mainly is just whether or not it's a talent that we want to acquire and move into our organization. 
Um, we also work with a number of different universities and schools in, in Taiwan and mm. throughout the region to, to, to look for opportunities and talent that we can bring in. That's really important as well. And then once we bring in that talent, basically, um, they just join the team. And if we're happy mm. with them, uh, then that's okay. So there's two things we kind of look for when we join. Obviously, performance, you know, are you a good player? There's a mm. lot of online sort of ladders and mm. things like that, that that measure that. That's fine. And secondly, are you a cultural fit, right? We look for players who are um, fit our culture, you know, who believe in teamwork, who are humble, who work hard, and who believe in taking feedback on improving. And so if you show those attributes, a lot of the time mm. as a player, we're happy to accept that. Now for backend staff, like, you know, operations, finance, creative studio, all this stuff, honestly, we don't really look for um, any specific guidelines. Um, the thing mm. about esports is that the industry is so new. There yes. is no set like guidelines and saying, okay, this is how social media is run, or this is how these things are done. So generally I would say, mm. you know, we've hired from everywhere and anywhere and even friend recommendations, internships, mm. Even people have emailed us and we've been really impressed about what they could do and brought them in to work with us. So generally I would say we're very open. It just comes down to what our requirements are. And if we have those particular requirements, then we'll all those. If not, then generally we are pretty open. So I would say realistically, there's no fees to join us. There's no, there's no requirements. It's more just if you fit it um, and then it's great. And I would say the main number one thing is that you have a passion towards gaming and esports if you're mm. going to join our back end staff, um, because it's really important that you love gaming. Because you know, we do do long hours, it is pretty intensive at certain times. But if you have that passion and you have a little bit of experience in marketing and social media in graphics, then I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to join esports teams. There's no degrees, there's no set rules, so mm. it's very open, I would say, when it comes to back end job opportunities. For teams, of course, you need to be quite skillful and have that have that ability. And and we are a little bit more picky because obviously we want to culturally match players to our mindset and our so for the backend staff, it is more like on the job training for these people because the industry is still uh, relatively new. So that uh, it's kind of like Tan Esport is uh, helping the industry to shape the industry standard and uh, yeah, and for yeah. the uh, uh, eSport, uh, for the players, uh, they are mostly like, uh, if you like gaming, and then um, we, uh, from anywhere, uh, eSport will record them. Because before talking to you, I just imagine, is this something like the uh, entertainment uh, company in the old days? Uh, I want to, that's the star talent uh, on the street, and I eat. You look handsome. You look beautiful. Then, then I pick you up. Yeah. <laughs> Those kind yeah. of things. So, yeah, yeah, it is like that. So, uh, this is just something I'm curious about. When Tang is for going to the university, uh, is the uh, students going crazy? I want to become a professional uh, athlete in this sport because if for me, if I I born in the esports generation, I would go crazy about it. How does it look like right now? Uh, what about, the reaction from the students when you go yeah, to. I, I would say there's a lot of interest for esports uh, careers, um, but uh, I think what people don't realize is that become a professional League of Legends player, let's mm, say, it's not mm, easy. We literally have to be mm, like the top 0.01% in particular regions to be able to mm, execute that, right? So it's definitely not easy. Um, but I would say a lot of young kids are very excited. 
whether their parents are as excited for them to do that is another thing, of course, right? Because mom and dad mm. might not be so happy that they're chasing an esports career. But at the same time, the money is getting better and better, right? If you look at Hong Kong, Taiwan, if you look at China, if you look at Korea, the salaries are really, really good. Of course, the career is shorter. You know, you only play maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years at most. Um, mm -hmm. But then the salaries are not bad. You can make some decent money in, in cool. esports now, right? You know, some of the top salaries in the US, some players are getting paid 3 million US dollars a year to play League of Legends, right? Some serious mm -hmm. money in the US right now. Um, so I would say, yeah, there's a lot of interest for a lot of youth to, to join this space. At the same time, it's kind of like traditional sport, right? Soccer, mm -hmm. when you go to an academy, you might have a thousand students that join the academy and maybe mm -hmm. only like 10 to 20 end up making it outside of the academy right so it's really important to understand that it is a numbers game it's very it's not always easy um you know for us when we assess players you know the, the good thing about games like league of legends and overwatch and rainbow mm. six they have a clear ranking system inside the game so we mm. that's one of the key things that we look for but after that there's a lot of nuances when it comes to working with the team working with mm. the coach working with your other teammates and we try and understand those so overall would say yeah there's a lot of excitement for youth and i think the key thing is um mm. obviously whether or not the parents agree so much. Mm. I think in Hong Kong, it's still a little bit mm. not seen as a mainstream career, but in Taiwan and Korea, probably more open. In Thailand, maybe a little bit more open as well. Um, but generally, slowly, slowly, I think that should change as you know, this, this is essentially our professional athletes and, and that, that mindset hopefully changes over time. Yep. But, um, you just talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, how to talk to the parents? Maybe the journalism just come before us. Uh, because for me, I'm I'm totally into this industry. Because uh, for me, uh, I, I think like uh, first of all, it is an emerging industry, and uh, it you, it can be a career already because you guys are building this industry together. And the mm -hmm. second of all, I think it is also good in terms of the kids because they are not they are. Uh, say like if I play the uh, League, of, League of Legends, it enforces my uh, a lot of my brain powers, the processing power. It uh, makes me more sharp. Um, it just made me more careful, intelligent. So mm -hmm. my question is, what are the values of these? What should I teach my own children in terms of parenting? Maybe I can share my episode with, later with my own parents and other people yeah. in Hong Kong. I think the key thing for me, if I look at traditional sports, esports, is that the, the value of teamwork and collectiveness and working to it, together mm. towards a common cause is very important, right? So if you look at, for example, um, when you play League of Legends together, you play with four other people, right? Mm. And you have to work together to win. And I think that's very powerful, right? Because I think in, in anything in this world, when it comes to workplaces, when it comes to careers, the number one thing that kind of will drive opportunities, your ability to work as a team and also your leadership mm. skills, right? So God. I would say it's probably not healthy if you play League of Legends for 20 hours a day and never play with anyone, just play by yourself, right? I don't think that's a good thing because you probably need to balance that. But if you play with your friends and you guys are organized mm. and, you know, hey, I'm going to be the coach or the analyst, let's work together, let's try to work towards a common objective. I think those skills are incredibly valuable because honestly, you might not get that through, you know, other means. I think through traditional sport, you learn a lot of that, um, but also in esports, you can learn a lot. I also agree with you. I think there's been a lot of science studies that have shown that, you know, if you do play a different types of games, you can learn a lot because it forces your brain to mm. basically change according to the game, right? So if you play Dota 2, and then you play League, and then you play Overwatch, and then you play Cyberpunk 2477, different key buttons, different opportunities, different ways of playing the game. It teaches you some problem solving. So I think there's some 
a lot of things that can be benefited from and also from stress relief, right? Because for a lot of people, you know, maybe you like to drink or maybe you like to do certain things or you like to exercise is your way to relieve stress. I mean, playing esports or gaming is another way that people relax as well. So, but for me, I think for young kids, um, you know, if you play as a team and with your friends and you learn how to work together, I think that's very powerful, right? Because there are lessons that are learned there that you may not always get in the classroom that you will get in esports and you'll get in traditional sport. And I think, you know, when you fail, when you lose together, and if you have a team that's analytical, you can say, okay, why did we lose? How can we improve? How can we train to get better? I think those type of skills are really important. So I think from my side, um, the main thing is, is teamwork and communication and leadership skills. I think you can learn a lot from that as long as you have a group of people that are willing to play together to, to work towards the common goal. Yeah. I totally agree. Uh, basically, it is like the traditional sports. You can uh, have a better team collaboration to communicate yeah. better with your team and the leadership. But the only difference is uh, it is to train your brain and the immediate reaction in terms of um, not just physical body. So basically, it is just sports, but uh, with your brain. Yeah. And I would say like being physically fit is also very important in esports. It's something that mm. we value because, you know, faster reaction times, healthy body, healthy mind, you know, what mm. you eat, what you drink, how much you sleep, how often you train, being physically fit, all these things can help with esports as well, right? And it's it's been proven that it does, particularly when they play long days, long sets, it can get quite tiring, right? So being able to kind of be physically fit definitely helps a lot. Um, but I agree with you. It's like, you know, the teamwork side, it's less physical than traditional sports, 100% for sure, right? Like if you play professional soccer, you are guaranteed going to be a thousand times fitter than any esports athlete. But at the same time, you know, esports athletes, you know, dedicate as much time and effort to learning a game. Because you look at a game like League of Legends, 130 plus characters, you have to learn all the skills for them. You have to know how they work together. It, mm. it requires a lot of analysis to understand and be able mm. to play at that level. So I think it, there's, there's still a lot to be taken out and there's a lot that can be learned from picking up these imports as well. Yeah. Got it. Thank you so much. So uh, right now we just tackle the argument with the parent layer. So let's go back <laughs> to the player, <laughs> to the player layer, because <laughs> it is just a dream come true. If I were a kid right now, I and then you told me when I was in the university, I can build a uh, career with esports. <laughs> I would head over to it, but I'm just too old yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I would like to know the end-to-end -end process. Uh, how does it? Uh, no, after the onboard onboarding process to become a player. Uh, what does that end-to-end -end process look like uh, for my career as a professional player? Yeah. yeah, so I would say, let's say you start at like 15, 16 and you get mm. recruited by a team. Um, you mm. might start in the academy team um, and mm. basically work, get some experience in playing as a mm. professional. Um, I would say the professional schedule is pretty demanding. Um, mm. If you look at our team, we, we train, you know, at least six days a week, um, the training schedule is mm. at least 12 hours a day, right? So it's mm. not all fun and games. It, there's a lot mm. of work that needs to go through. So, you know, whether it be analysis, whether it be individual work, whether it be group work, whether it be scrims and practices like that, there's a lot of work that goes into building that out. And so I think people need to understand that it's not just fun and games. There's a lot of effort that goes through that. So, you know, maybe you do that, you start at the junior level, eventually let's say you make it to the senior team, um, you make the senior team, then you can start competing at the professional leagues, right? So, you know, you play in domestic tournaments, you can play in international tournaments, depending on how your team goes. 
and then basically you continue to play that career. Now you may not play for one club. You may play for multiple clubs depending on where you are. So let's say you're a Hong Kong athlete or a Taiwan athlete that does really well. You might have opportunities in the LPL in China for League of Legends. You might have opportunities in the US and Europe where you can go and play in those professional leagues as well and make some decent mm. money. So the only difference I would say between traditional sports and esports is that in esports, maybe for, let's say for certain games like League of Legends, uh, by 25, 26, 27, I think you'll pretty much have to retire um, because mm. it's it, your reaction speed after 25 declines quite heavily, right? So depending on the position that you play, you may not be able to continue to play. But the good thing about esports is after you finish your career, you can do live streaming, you can be a content creator, you can be a coach, you can be work for an esports organization, you can be an analyst, you can learn all these additional things, right? So a lot of professional players have just gone full-time live streaming. So you can be a content creator and those content creators can make just as much money, if not more than some of the players. And, or you can go into coaching. So if you have a good understanding of the game, similar to traditional sport, like if you're good at soccer and you're a good player and you understand the game well, you can probably be a good coach as well, right? So there's a lot of opportunities in that way as well. So, you know, generally the career I would say is like 15 to 25 as a professional player is very doable. After that, there are still a lot of avenues, whether it be like a live streamer, content creator, you know, a coach or an analyst, those things can be done. And so you can kind of build a career progressively over that. So um, I would say it's, that's probably the life cycle. You know, usually you'll start at a, you know, a semi-professional team, move to a, you know, the second division of a professional team, then move to the senior squad. Once you're in the senior squad, you know, depending on how the team goes, you may choose to stay there. You may choose to go to other places as well. So it really just depends on sort of where your career goes. But generally, it's a kind of like an eight to 10 year window that you have as a professional player. Yeah. Uh, can you also talk about how tough is it uh, for a professional player in the team? Because uh, all we just talked about is like the fun part. Of course, you love gaming and that's the reason why you're passionate about it and become a player. But I, mm. I don't want people to... Um, it is not a leisure. It is your career. It is a profession. Can you talk about the tough part about being a player? Yeah, yeah so it, it's not an easy schedule, just to let you know. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, games like League of Legends, where the patch changes every two weeks. Every two weeks, mm -hmm. you have to kind of relearn everything, right? Not, not everything, but most things. There are a lot of changes that happen on a regular basis. Um, added to that, you know, you, the, the, the training schedules are quite long. I mean, here at Talon, you know, we do six days a week. And we do in excess of, you know, 12 hours of training a day. Now, it's not all super intensive. Of course, you know, there are breaks in between and the players do, um, you know, still get to eat and train and, and, and work out. But, you know, it's, it's not an easy schedule. It's literally, you know, 12 to like 12, one or two. And those schedules can get pretty intense and crazy, right? And, and that workload is not light. It's like you have to do individual training. You have to do scrims together with the teams. You have to do feedback sessions with the coaches analysis with the coaches and things like that so i wouldn't say it's always just as straightforward as fun and games i'm just playing league of legends there's actually a lot of things that need to be done in order to have sorry the, the cats in the background but um yeah there's a lot of work that needs to be done there so in in excess i would say it is not that easy um there's a lot of work and the only way you'll become professional is if you truly love the game and you love the work because you know the top teams in the world train very very hard that's how they become the top teams. And so that's just the truth of it. And that's how it all comes together. Yeah. Uh, what does the player do when it is off season? Because in traditional sport, maybe I just relax, do some stretching, that's what I imagine. But in this sport, what, what do they do? 
I think it's very similar. You know, generally they have a, we have a pretty long off season, November, December, January, February. Um, you know, I think usually that time you're probably negotiating uh, to join a new team, contracts, these things happen. But during the off season, a lot of what they do is just live streaming. Um, you know, basically just stream to their fans, talk to their fans that way. That's something that they do a lot of. And so that's something that happens a lot. Um, they can also relax. We recommend that they relax. You know, the, the, the time that we have active throughout the year, which is generally February to November, it's very, very busy, right? They train a lot. There's a lot of social media commitments. There's a lot of media commitments. There's a lot of fan commitments that you need to do. So it's good to relax and just, just not do anything as well. So our view is for them to just relax, chill, don't get too crazy, and then uh, basically come back refreshed once the season. Uh, what is the reason and reason for talent? Uh, is it, it, uh, I, I see that in uh, talent, uh, it says even to build a platform to showcase APAC talent to the world. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so our, our end goal is to become one of the biggest digital franchises in the world, multi-esports franchise in the world. What I mean by that is to you know have uh, different teams in different regions. Um, and we want to be like the Lakers, we want to be like the Yankees, we want to be like mm. Chelsea football clubs, but of the esports world, and the one and the team that represents Asia Pacific, right? Because there's a lot of teams that cover, you know, China, Korea, but there's not many teams that cover the whole region. And so we really want to build our presence across all those teams. And that is our mm. end vision to provide become one of the biggest digital franchises. So I want to become a major brand uh, that people globally recognize as one of the top esports and entertainment platforms in the world. So that's something that's very important for us. And that's the end objective and goal. And so that's the mission is to, and then for our players and our staff is to give them a platform to elevate, to become the best in the region. You know, I think mm. Hong Kong, Taiwan, Greater China have a lot of good League of Legends players, but they just haven't had the teams yet to push them to the global stage. And we want to be that platform that gives them that, right? Be able to earn good money, be able mm. to, deliver at the highest level and be able to go to international tournaments to deliver championship. And that's something that's very valuable for us that we want to achieve. And so, um, but the end goal is very simple. We want to be one of the mm. biggest digital esports brands in the world and um, basically be recognized similar to, you know, like the New York Yankees or the Lakers or the Chelsea football clubs where we have fans globally that know what we stand for and what we represent. You know? Thanks for stepping up uh, for the esports world. Um, I, I have to say, I like the quotes on your Twitter profile. Silent is better than bullshit. <laughs> and you just talk about it. The reason and reason about time is what uh, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel the fire in your eyes. Yeah. So maybe this last question can wrap up uh, this whole session. What does talent.gg, the GG means? What does GG mean? Oh, GG yeah. is just, uh, it's a gaming term. It's like good game. Mm. We say mm. it at the start of a game. We stay at the end of a game. But basically, all we're trying to say is just good game. Um, mm. So a lot of the esports teams, if you look at the URLs, it's a, a .gg. So um, uh, basically, just good game. Thank you very much. We played a good game. We usually say that after every competition. GG, or even before a game, GG, uh, you know, good luck, have fun, things like that. We always do that. So it's more just like a little thank you thing or a little like, I appreciate the time that you played games with me just before. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on our show, Sean. Uh, mm, nice to have you. Yeah, GG. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you, Eric. Cool. Cheers.